1: gentlemen once again to a brand new installment of grizzly bear blues live i am your host joe mullinax thank you so much whether you're listening on spotify on stitcher on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iheart however you get your podcast fixed however you subscribe to the gbb podcast network uh thank you so much for making us a part of your memphis grizzlies experience again i am joe mullinax the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. I am in year five in that role. Very excited to continue to be at the helm of the ship. Things are going well over at GBB, and uh, things are going well lately for the Memphis Grizzlies, kind of surprisingly, going streaking in the win column at a time that nobody really expected them to. Um, Five and six is a heck of a lot better than the alternative, and, and as we talked about before, this season is free of expectation. If they do well, that's fantastic. If they struggle, that's not fantastic, but it's also not bad. This is that last year uh, where they can kind of go through things without being expected to do much. So the wins are nice. The losses aren't great, but they help in terms of lottery positioning. It's, a, it's nice to be able to enjoy the team without the burden and weight of expectation. Ways to get in touch with the podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter at GBBLive. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. You can follow my co-host, associate editor over at GVB, Parker Fleming, who will not be joining us for this episode. Uh, he has a job, apparently, uh, whatever. Uh, I mean, I, I make it work. I've got plenty of jobs, Parker. I think he's just scared to come on the show with our guest today. Uh, I don't know why. That's just completely irrational thinking on my part. But you can follow him at paka underscore And you can follow the blog that we work for that we're very proud of, SBNation's GrizzlyBearBlues.com at sbn grizzly so that's how you can get in touch with the show uh my guest today and it's it's going to be wonderful to have him on because he is somebody that's new to the grizzly scene in terms of podcasting uh he has a podcast that is one of the very best titled podcasts that is out there i'm very jealous that i you know people have named this ha- have named things the Bare necessities in memphis uh for several years now so the name isn't necessarily what makes it unique Uh, but the fact that the the bear necessities at the grizzlies pod on twitter has the theme song that it does is more than worth your subscription however you get your podcasts Uh, and then you can stick around for the great takes by adam taylor and our guest at this time the co-host of the bear necessities uh, at the grizzlies pod again on twitter mr brendan nunez how are you sir
0: I am doing great, Joe. I, I appreciate the in, the intro. Um, yeah, all credit goes to Adam for the name and the introduction idea. Uh, like you said, him and I are both new to the Memphis scene. So I got to say, we didn't realize that uh, the Bear Necessities was used. I saw after we had already decided on the title and we we're working on artwork and made the intro and everything. Uh, even the Grizzlies have a hashtag Bear Necessities um, going on that they're tweeting out and everything so we thought we were very original uh, with that one and then realized that uh, yeah no, know that that probably a lot of people have thought of that one understandably so um, but excited to be covering the team man um, I, I definitely am a little bit newer to you know you said you've been uh, covering or uh, editor of the site for five years can't say I've been watching Memphis basketball for five years um, but watched a lot of this year and did a lot of film work uh, reviewing last season and the year before as well. And I'm, I'm having a good time diving into this team.
1: And I'd like to welcome you. Uh, Memphis is a unique market because uh, the city itself is unique in that it's very different from the rest of the state of Tennessee, and they're very proud of that. And I, I lived in Memphis for three years. I'm proud of it, too, compared to, you know, especially with the way things are going uh, in the country right now, uh, Memphis being different from the rest of Tennessee is certainly not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but Memphis is very protective. And if you love Memphis, Memphis will love you back. But at the same time, if they think that you're sliding them in some way, or they think that you're not, you know, you're not genuine with how you feel or how you're carrying yourself, Memphis can kind of reject you. So it's funny at times when a new podcast comes along or a new person comes into the market, and I can speak from experience to an extent on this. Uh, they're they're viewed as an outsider or in my particular case, because I lived in Memphis for three years, I've been covering the team for seven years. I've been the site manager for five and I'll still have every once in a while, somebody on Twitter chime in and say, Oh, he lives in Virginia. He doesn't get the fan base. He doesn't understand. Like he's not even, he's not even a Grizzlies person. He doesn't live here. Like, that's not how you grow an organization. (laughs) That's not how you develop a larger fan base. I doubt Lakers fans are saying to somebody who's a Lakers fan in, you know, Vermont, oh, uh, they're, they're in Vermont. They're not a real Lakers fan, right? Like That's not how you build a brand. That's not how you build an organization in terms of popularity. So I, for one, welcome whenever somebody pays more attention to the Memphis Grizzlies, because uh, I'll, I'm just reading off of your Twitter bio here, at Brendan Nunez, NBA. Uh, he's an NBA analyst. He hosts Kings Pulse uh, for Blue Wire Pods. He contributes to the Kings Herald. Shout out to the Kings Herald. We love those guys over there, uh, formerly of SB Nation. They have their own independent blog now that they do tremendous work with. Greg and all those guys are fantastic. Um, you co-host the Celtics blog podcast. So you literally cover the NBA at large. And as you enter covering the Grizzlies, it gives a fresh perspective because you're not entrenched in Memphis. You don't look at the Grizzlies from that local perspective. And it's okay to have that because that's always going to be the backbone of your fan base. But if you really want to get a more complete picture of what your team's doing right, what your team's doing wrong, you don't want to just have one point of view. You want a bunch of different types of eyes on the product. And I think it's good that you and Adam are coming into the market because it it allows for us to have more coverage of the team. I mean, the fact that you didn't know bare necessities already existed, uh, that that's, you know, kind of evidence to what I'm talking about. Not enough people pay attention to the Memphis Grizzlies. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you already knew that. Uh, when I moved back to Virginia, I had people ask who the Memphis Grizzlies were. Like they didn't even know that they were an NBA team. So it, it's something that wow. it, it's it's fascinating to me. And obviously that's changed the last couple of years, John Moran's has changed that. But I, I'm just fascinated when people get so upset that somebody might be new to something or they may not live in the area and still follow the team. That, that's exactly what you want. That's what happens when you have stars like Morant, more eyes come to the product.
0: Definitely, and uh, understandable. Uh, the the outsider perspective that some people have, you know, I, I can't say I, I've been to Memphis. I, I'm definitely going to visit at some point when the entire uh, COVID situation obviously clears up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a. I, I like to say a basketball analyst is how I kind of uh, take my point of view. And Adam and I um, were looking to start a new project and. Looked through a couple different teams. Um, Adam does not have a team on the West Coast. He covers currently. So that's kind of where we were looking and realized really the the lack of coverage outside of uh, you guys there at Grizzly Bear Blues, really. And then there's kind of the the locked on that Sean Coleman does very well. And Keith does fast break, a, or I'm sorry, grit and grinds. And it, it just felt like there was very much a lack of coverage for this team that is so up and coming. They're exciting now. And the future is even more promising Um, and like I said, I've had a really good time diving into them already and I'd love to get to know the, um, sort of culture of Memphis and familiarize myself with that best I can from, from a distance, obviously right now, um, and eventually visit at some point. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is surprising the, the, what felt like lack of recognition that this team has when they are very clearly on the cusp of something special
1: they don't even have an athletic coverage anymore. Like some, some yeah. teams have two or three beat writers for the athletic and, and there hasn't been anything about Memphis sports since last June, uh, coming out of the athletic, except for things that maybe a national writer might do or a national podcaster. So, uh, it's, I understand the market's tight. I understand money's tight because of the pandemic and all that stuff, but it's still frustrating for the reasons that you just alluded to. And, yeah. you know, I'm very yeah. proud of what we've built at GBB. Somebody just today, uh, tweeted at us on the blog saying that because there's also TV issues uh, with Sinclair Broadcasting having the rights to the games now, and they pulled it from YouTube TV. So there's a lot of fans in Memphis that can't even watch the games because wow. they don't have cable. Um, somebody said that the only way they know what happened with the games, uh, I guess they don't use illegal streaming services, which is good for you following the law. Um, <laughs> but and, and the only way they know what happens with the games is through grizzlybearblues.com and following our game coverage and all that stuff so that means a lot and i do think that we are in a unique place because of the market that people look at us on the same plane as a daily memphian as a commercial appeal you know full-blown professional journalists we're a blog you know we've built it up pretty well but we're we're a blog that is, you know people have come to count on for coverage of the team and and that means a lot to me but at the same time it's indicative of of how folks just don't pay attention uh, to the smallest market team in the NBA in Memphis, or at least one of the smallest. So I'm glad you're Definitely. here. I'm glad you're covering the team. Um, I, oh. I've been helping you guys kind of get started on the side, and, and I'm happy to do that. Uh, I always say that the more coverage there is of the Grizzlies, uh, the better. So let's jump right in after kind of giving the background
0: there. I I will say real quick, real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. I do have a bit of these, this whole small market dynamic understood uh, with Sacramento kind of being my primary coverage before I started this as well. Um, And like you mentioned um, previously, Sactown royalty now the Kings Herald feels pretty similar to what you mentioned. Um, There is, I guess, an athletic coverage of the Kings, but really just, you know, slept on by national media and not covered and, even the teams that have struggled for years, like Sacramento's point of view of, you know, over a decade and a half of not making the playoffs. um, There's interesting storylines that need to be covered. So I definitely understand the small market point of view.
1: And to the credit of the Sacramento media there. And I, and I have a great relationship. I've talked about daily Memphian and commercial appeal. You know, those guys have been great to me. Those gals have been great to me. Uh, the local TV has been awesome. I had a chance to go on local TV when I visited in 2019, that was really cool. Um, So that's one of the nice things about small markets. I know some of those Kings Herald guys also write, I think it's the Sacramento Bee. it's called the local paper there. So, uh, so that's really awesome. So that's one of the nice things about small markets is it gives people that work hard and have a little bit of talent. In my case, they just have an, I'm, I'm the undertaker of blogging. I call myself now. I just refuse (laughs) to die. Uh, you know, those folks that have that willpower, I guess, uh, there's opportunity there, but, um, This past week, I wrote an article for GBB, uh, as I typically do, um, and I called it, The Grizzly Standard is Saving Memphis. And it was especially true in the fourth quarter of the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but throughout their recent run of success, despite who they're playing against with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving being out when they beat the Nets, uh, Kevin Love and Sexland, which is one of the most awkward and hilarious uh, names uh, for Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, being out for cleveland um this recent run that the grizzlies are on yeah they've played some teams that have injury issues but charlotte didn't have injury issues when memphis beat them and and the timberwolves were healthy uh in the game on wednesday night when the grizzlies knocked them off i think that we're not giving them enough credit and we're also forgetting that john morant is out jaron jackson jr is out for all of his you know complaints that he gets justice winslow is clearly a top five player in the eyes of the Grizzlies organization for them moving forward he hasn't played a single minute for them yet so it's not like Memphis is this picture of health they're staying alive first and foremost through defense and when I did my research for the article I was kind of surprised to see that their pace they are in the bottom half of pace now in the entire NBA which is not something that Taylor Jenkins wants to do or wants to be Taylor Jenkins wants to move. He wants to get out and transition. He wants to get these guys rolling, but to the credit of Taylor Jenkins, we'll talk about him more in the next segment to the credit of Taylor Jenkins. He is a understanding that his team is currently constructed is not going to have success there where his team is currently constructed can have success is defensively defense can travel. If you've built a strong enough culture within your organization, you can put forth the effort and energy it takes to be a really good defensive team. And right now, Brendan, Uh, The Grizzlies are fourth in the NBA in defensive rating at 106.7, which is pretty remarkable. So they are, uh, if you're in the top five, I think it's fair to say you're elite. It's only been 11 games, but the Grizzlies are an elite defense right now. And that is how they're knocking off these teams. Sure, it helps when you play the Brooklyn Nets without two of their offensive weapons. But at the same time, that pace number and the offensive rating for sure, Memphis is 27th in the NBA right now in offensive rating. That would not happen if Ja Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Justice Winslow are playing. So I think that it's important to point out that they are reinventing themselves on the fly to stay afloat, and that is really impressive. And it's a sign, as I write in my article, that they are really buying into this organizational ideal of selfless basketball, and that comes through really on the defensive end.
0: Definitely, and I think that one of the main things, obviously, is is effort from this team because even some of the guys that maybe aren't uh, the best defenders, um, really, I feel like a good portion of defense is just giving your all out there every single night um, on that end of the floor. When you know it's easy for guys that are, especially like in high usage roles, like a, a Dylan Brooks specifically this year, especially without a Morant and Jaron Jackson, you see his role on the offensive end. Um, kind of take off a little bit and there's no effort wavering on the defensive end. Um, guys, uh, I mean, there are good defenders on this team. Um, I I think that most of the good defenders are probably a little undersized or they're bigs. Um, I I would obviously, you know, a wing defender, I, I think would be very nice. And maybe you have that a little bit in Desmond Bain who I absolutely love. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with, with rim protection. Um, Cleaning the glass, which does have a garbage time filter, has them as the sixth best team when uh, regarding uh, opponent field goal percentage at sixty one percent. And you know that that feels sustainable. Last season they were third in that aspect at fifty eight percent. Jaron Jackson, like obviously, uh, not even available right now, and he's a promising rim protector as well. Um, So I think a lot of it has to do with with really promising uh rim protection and then also being very aggressive and physical on the defensive end of the floor and enforcing steals um they're second in the league in steals per game at 9.7 with with Cleveland being first at 10.2 there which is another team that probably has a little bit of unsustainable uh defensive numbers currently but you know um really being able to to play aggressive, get in passing lanes and constantly just being pests to your opponents is, is, is important. And I think that there's moments obviously going for steals where it's not going to pay off and will lead to some easier opportunities for the opposition. Um, but bringing that effort 24-7, night in and night out, I think is is very underrated. And there's teams with good defensive talent, better defensive talent than Memphis that don't do that. And that is part of the reason that maybe it doesn't translate on a nightly basis for them. We're talking to Brendan Nunes at Brendan Nunes NBA. Again, he's the co-host of
1: the Bear Necessities at the Grizzlies Pod on Twitter. Again, at Brendan Nunes NBA on Twitter for his personal account, him and Adam Taylor. Are joining the grizzlies podcast scene and as i've said in the past you know i there, there might have been a time where i was a bit more competitive uh but not anymore uh there's a, a whole blogger war brendan that i'll have to get you caught up on uh when i have more time and more alcohol to uh to go into depth with it um <laughs> but there's i've been around too long i don't really care about that anymore like i said at the outset i'm excited to have more people looking at this team from a national perspective and bring in their their very wise intelligent basketball takes, as Brendan is doing for us here on GBB live uh, I did a question of the day, and you guys retweeted it from your bear necessities account again, follow them at the Grizzlies pod and it was about Taylor Jenkins and I think Taylor Jenkins is one of those guys that again, we talked at the beginning of the show, the idea of the the local media, the local fan maybe not viewing him in the same way as a national uh, cover or a national media person or a national fan of the NBA at large might view him. I'm convinced there's probably a decent amount of fans in the NBA that don't even know that Taylor Jenkins is the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, He was hired without much fanfare coming from Milwaukee, but he's had success considering things that have fallen in his lap and the issues he's had. Uh, The question of the day today from the, his, from the day of his hiring to today, so going all the way back uh, you know, from the very beginning, obviously the events of last season, what's happening now, what grade would you give the performance of head coach Taylor Jenkins in Memphis? A, B, C, D, or F? Uh, I was pleasantly surprised because every once in a while in my mentions, I'll get somebody saying that Taylor Jenkins is a god-awful coach. Should have kept J.B. Bickerstaff and things like that, which I'm glad J.B. Bickerstaff's getting his shot in Cleveland, and it looks like that defense is pretty impressive there. To Bickerstaff's credit, um, I just wasn't impressed with Bickerstaff and the way that he got the job in Memphis. I always thought JB should get another shot. It just didn't make sense with the Grizzlies. Um, thanks to everybody who's voted so far, uh, I'm, again, impressed. About 93, 92% of folks say he either is doing an A, excellent job, or B, above-average job. And half of the folks, so, again, that's the winner or the leader at this time, there's about 10 minutes left in the poll as we record this, 50% of the voters say that he's doing an above-average job. I voted A. I think he's doing an excellent job. And the reason that I voted for that is we still haven't seen this team fully healthy at full power with John Morant in his second season, Jaron Jackson Jr. in his third, Justice Winslow, who they made a trade for before the world fell apart with the pandemic uh, at the trade deadline last year. They have so many pieces that are, have yet to be fully realized. And the fact that they were in the play-in game in the bubble after having some struggles there. But again, they had injuries to deal with. They've had injuries now. And the thing that's been most impressive to me, Brendan, in this particular season is, like we mentioned earlier, the fact that he was able to recreate himself. The fact that he has taken this Grizzlies team and, and playing great defense, he's always harped on that. But again, understanding that Tyus Jones is not John Morant right? The understanding that having Brandon Clark out there, he doesn't have the same type of skill set as a Jaron Jackson Jr. Kyle Anderson, for all his, uh, his positives that he brings to the team, and he definitely brings some, he's not the athlete, he's not the, the, the creator, he's not the versatile player with athleticism added that Justice Winslow is. So with the roster as flawed as it is, he's taken and he's tweaked and he's tried to find ways to get this team to stay alive, and again, whether it's defensively, uh, the Grizzlies standard that they keep talking about of selflessness and, and assists and passing the ball, I think you tweeted out off of the, uh, the Bear Necessities account at the Grizzlies pod that the Grizzlies, uh, this was a yesterday, going into yesterday's game, um, Grizzlies are currently third in assist percentage with 64.4% of their buckets coming off dimes. That is something that they harp on. That's something that they preach. And they're continuing that even without John Morant, who's one of the best passers in the NBA, on the floor. So I think he's doing an excellent job. I think it's crazy to say he's doing anything less than that. Uh, Again, somebody that's new to the team, new to following. But again, uh, Jenkins is still relatively new to the team. Um, How would you grade the job of Taylor Jenkins, especially this season?
0: Yeah, I mean – I, I ended up going with a B on the poll. Um, I, I don't have great perspective on how it compares to Bickerstaff. I know I I kind of asked you uh, a bit of questions in, in how the variation has been going from one to the next here in Jenkins. Um, but I mean, being one of the younger coaches, if not the youngest coach in the NBA, I, I don't have that exactly in front of me. Um, 36 years old though, right? And getting players to buy in and play with this system like you're saying moving the ball extremely well I mentioned defense earlier and so much of that just being effort on that end and I I think a lot of that does have to do with coaching and motivating your guys to do that and be buying in Um, and obviously there's great leadership from guys on the floor I guess on the bench right now in the locker room with John Morant and and Jaron Jackson guys like that but it, it really is credit to the coaching staff getting to these guys to buy in and like you're saying being adaptable to the players that you have available. Um, I think that the same way that you look at prospects and say there's a lot of growth needed from these young guys or um, a potential growth from people that haven't been in the league that long, you can say the same thing for, for a coach as well. And to be doing this well and be this flexible at just age 36 as a head coach in the league, I think is very impressive for Taylor Jenkins. And we're only really scratching the surface of his capabilities with, like you're saying, the roster not being fully available. Um, So yeah, I mean, it was hard. I, I don't see how you could put a failing grade or really a below average grade on Jenkins. You know, I, I, am a little critical and have been at times this year of his decisions to play uh, Grayson Allen um, in the starting lineup and maybe some other rotations that I haven't been the biggest fan of. But at the same time, I completely understand it with the desperate need for shooting and, and, and things like that. So it's a little bit of a rough situation for him. And I think the hand that he's been dealt so far, he's done a great job of managing it and really getting people to buy in, I think is very underrated and there's still a lot of growth to come from Jenkins. And I think this is a very good starting point.
1: You're allowed to say it, Brendan. You're allowed to say it. This is a safe place. Just start, start Desmond Bain, you cowards. Okay. That's I'm the bottom. 100%.
0: Start oh, I love Desmond
1: Bain, him. cowards. Brendan is on my side on this. He is welcome to Desmond Bane Island. I am the CEO as a, as we talked about on Hoop Island on the 92.9 podcast this week. I am all of it when it comes to Desmond Bain. Anthony Sane can hang out with me. Uh, he's a co-owner, I guess. But I, I have built the island. I, I am all that is man on the island. And Brendan can come be uh, a friend of mine on the island. Desmond Bain should be there instead of Grayson Allen. But, um, and Grayson and Allen, in fairness, hasn't started lately. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's fascinating to kind of see how that plays out. My biggest gripe with Coach Jenkins is – The versatility, the ability to adjust and and slow the game down a bit, play better defense and really emphasize that area to stay afloat. I wish you would apply that to offense because so much of it is drive and kick, right? And that's the baseline. And we know that about their offense. It's very similar to what Milwaukee does, but it's drive and kick. It's direct handoffs on screens and getting to the basket, going downhill. And there's times where, I mean, Minnesota's defense was atrocious, but 80 paint points against the Timberwolves is pretty darn impressive. And that's a major reason why they got the win. Uh, But at the same time, I wish they would run, you know, set plays. I wish they would do set things for Desmond Bain to get him open. I wish that they would do more of that kind of stuff on the offensive end. But I voted A. I certainly could hear an argument for B. I'm with you. To vote below B to me, uh, I just don't understand how you can say that given what we've seen. Uh, We'll take a break here. When we come back, Brendan and I are going to talk about guys like Tyus Jones who are really kind of revitalizing themselves. Brendan Clark has really kind of come into his own in the last few games. Once John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. are back, what do you do with this team and how do you keep those guys going? We'll also list our ideal starting fives for the Grizzlies. Once everybody is healthy, we'll talk about that next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. I'm flying solo this week. My co-host, Parker Fleming, MIA. He should be back next week. Uh, everything's good with him. No worries. Just uh, schedules don't always work out, and that's, uh, that's the life of a blogger slash podcaster. I'm joined at this time by my guest, Mr. Brendan Nunes at Brendan Nunes NBA. Make sure you're giving him a follow there. He's new to the Grizzly scene. He does a terrific job uh, taking a look at all sorts of aspects from the Kings to the Celtics, and now he's jumping in with the Grizzlies with his partner in crime, Mr. Adam Taylor. Again, these guys are doing a new Grizzlies podcast called The Bear Necessities. It has the best theme of any, and I like my theme. I like my beat that I have, but uh, The Bear Necessities theme song is definitely the best. You should definitely check that out. Can't stress that enough. Make sure you're following them on Twitter, at the Grizzlies Pod. Now, Brendan, uh, before the break, I talked about the fact that Tyus Jones is playing really well. You know, there's some advanced numbers. I think Peter Edmiston, who does fantastic work for Sports 56, used to write for The Athletic, like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, uh, which he still did. Um, he posted Tyus Jones' stats, and I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it wasn't great. But the eye test, other numbers, the way that he's playing, you can see that Tyus is doing so much better than he was the previous or the first three games of the year before Jaw got hurt. And I think maybe that's part of it. Maybe those earlier games are what are impacting those numbers somewhat. Uh, Tyus Jones has been awesome, especially defensively, which is kind of surprising. You don't think defense with Tyus Jones, but he has been that good. And then you have guys like Brandon Clark, who hilariously people thought was bad all of a sudden because he was out of shape and working his way back into shape and trying to not be injured anymore, uh, missing time during the preseason. And Brandon Clark, he started to work his way back into things. Kyle Anderson started the season off hot offensively and that's not something you usually say about Kyle Anderson and he's cooled off since then but he's still a very good team defender he's still a very good creator in that point forward role that he runs so very well Uh, those guys probably aren't going to be starters long term especially Tyus and Brandon Uh, but even Kyle Anderson once Justice Winslow gets into the fray here in the next few weeks so uh, I'm curious what would you do Brendan to Try your best to keep these guys going, especially Tyus and Brandon, as they, they move from reserves to starters with Jaron and Ja out. Then they take the step back when those guys return. Obviously, part of what had the Grizzlies with so much success last year was the fact that the Anthony Melton, Tyus Jones, and Brandon Clark were such an effective bench unit. Can they recapture that magic? Is it something where it should be a pretty easy transition? What would you do if you had your coaching opportunity with the Grizzlies to make sure that the Tyus Jones and the Brandon Clark that we saw against Minnesota and in this current winning streak stick around when those roles go back to what they normally are with Memphis as reserves?
0: Yeah, when it comes to Tyus to start there, um, I I think that he, I I love Tyus as a player, obviously the assist to turnover darling, and you mentioned the defense, I I think he is a very good defender of point guards, um, but obviously is limited to that position being um, just about six feet. Um, But I I, personally, I, I don't know that you can play him alongside Morant that successfully. Um, so I, I kind of think it's it's the minutes that Morant is not out there where he is really functioning as the guy that is initiating the offense. I, I think that he is a great partner to DeAnthony Melton. Um, to kind of cover up each one of their offensive and defensive deficiencies there um, with Tyus to primarily have the ball in his hands when he's out there, at least to initiate the offense. Um, And, you know, I I think, like, I don't think you never play him in Morant, but I think you can get away with some minutes and and Tyus does an okay job of um, just making the correct next pass rather than being the one initiating. But I I think that that is where he's most comfortable. Um, So yeah, I think the role for Tyus is probably the minutes that Morant is not out there, which I understand is limited um, with the the amount of usage and minutes that you want Morant on the floor. Um, but I do think that's what's ideal when when Jaw does eventually return. And and there's going to be nights where maybe you want to rest Jaw that you, you've seen a lot throughout this season specifically. Um, and, and Tyus has shown that he can step into that starting role on nights when needed. And I think that's very important. Um and then when it comes to Brandon Clark, I, I don't worry about him as much because I, I see Clark as a guy that really is just able to impact the, the game with a fairly low usage. Um, I I think that he is a fine fit alongside Jaron Jackson. So I think that he can get plenty of minutes with those starters as well. And really just does a great job giving all around effort on both ends of the floor and not feeling like a guy that is a black hole on the offensive end. He really plays within the flow of the offense and within himself. Um, So I, I think that Clark will, get more um, comfortable playing alongside Jaron Jackson and some of these other starters as well. I, I don't hate the idea of him eventually starting alongside Jaron Jackson. Um, even though I do get um, him having a little bit of a synergy that we saw growing last year with some of those bench units. Um, So I don't have as much of a concern with Clark because like I said, I think that he does a good job of finding ways to impact the game without needing too big of a role on, on the offensive end of the floor. And of course we, we know what he brings on the defensive end. Um, I think that um, while he may not be an ideal four in certain matchups, um, the pairing of him and Jaron Jackson does have a, a lot of promise on that end of the floor as well. So I think Clark will find his way to to make an impact, and and Tyus' is role um, is primarily the minutes that Morant's not out there. And I understand that can be a little difficult to to catch a rhythm when you're given a limited amount of play. But I, I think that Tyus will do a fine job in in being able to do that, like we saw through moments last year and maybe just a little bit of a slow start at first here. But if he can just primarily be the one that is defending of opposing point guards, which like I said, I think he does a good job. I think he's a good point of attack defender only on point guards because of the size that he has um, and, and being the one to a little bit initiate a bench unit alongside someone like the Anthony Melton to help with some of the defensive shortcomings. I, I think that that can be a fine role for both of those guys.
1: And moving forward, it would be good because there's been times where Tyus Jones and Ja Morant have played together, and Morant would defend the larger backcourt player because Morant's 6'3", I think, with a 6'7 wingspan, something like that. So Morant is obviously the bigger of the two between him and Tyus, and Tyus being that solid defender of point guards, I agree with that. So the the progression of Ja as a defender, if Morant just becomes an an average, which you could argue he's average now, but some would say he's not, if Moran could just be in that area where he's a net-neutral defender, obviously all the things he brings to the table offensively will offset that pretty solidly. And again, having a tie his jaw backcourt would bring all sorts of facilitation and opportunities for everybody to create. We're finishing up here with Brendan Nunez. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at Brendan NBA. Again, he's one of the co-hosts, along with Adam Taylor, of the brand-new Grizzlies uh, podcast called The Bear Necessities. Make sure you're following them on Twitter, at the Pod. Again, you can follow at Adam, at AdamTaylorNBA. Uh, Brendan does a good job t- covering the Kings. He covers the Celtics, and now he's covering the Grizzlies, like we mm-hmm. talked about in the first segment. It's good to have folks with different perspectives uh, covering the team and, and getting some more national outside perspective. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this, Brendan. I'm curious as to what you think, because, again, they haven't been healthy. Assuming that they all do become healthy, um, maybe in the future we'll have you on to talk about the perfect rotation, and we know that who closes games matters more in reality than who starts in a lot of situations. Uh, Who would be your ideal starting five? Because this would be mine, assuming that they're healthy. I I would want to go with a group of John Morant. I'd want Dylan Brooks. I would want Justice Winslow. I would want Kyle Anderson and I would want Jaron Jackson Jr. That would be my ideal starting five. I've always seen Jonas Valanciunas as a Zach Randolph-esque type of player who's a good scorer, good rebounder, that can really shine in a sixth man role off the bench. And again, you could make those subs relatively early. Brandon Clark can still get his 25 minutes a game. Uh, Valanciunas can get 25 minutes or so a game. Obviously, Kyle can play the three a little bit, bump up to the wing. Um, but that—that that is how I would do it. I would go with a more versatile group. Again, you have multiple playmakers there with Kyle, Justice, and Jaw all starting. Dylan Brooks can be more of a spot-up shooter. I always say that I think the biggest fan of Justice Winslow is going to be Dylan Brooks because it allows for him to not have to worry about doing so many other things that he can just be a scorer. Even defensively, Justice will help Dylan. Um, So that would be my ideal starting five. I think that they won't do that. Kyle will probably go back to the bench. Jaron will be the four. Or they could have Kyle start at the three and have Justice come off the bench. That's possible too. Jonas will likely stay a starter as long as he's with the team. Um, but that's what I would do. That's my ideal situation once everybody's healthy. What's yours?
0: Yeah, so I'm with you. I think the obvious ones that are, are there are Morant and Jaron Jackson and, and Justice Winslow. I, I think those three are are part of a starting lineup. And I uh, am with you as well that I think that Jaron Jackson should be the five um, I think it gets a little questionable when you look at the bench, because I, I don't think that Tillman is most ideal as a four. So playing him and Valanchunas off the bench is probably not the best, but if you're just talking the best starting five, um, I would go with John Morant, Dylan Brooks. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going to throw in Desmond Bain here. I will admit wow. I have an absolute crush on him from I thought my, I thought had a crush. my draft analysis, um, but I, I think that him and Winslow are the two players that I really view as two-way uh, wings and, and, again, like needed defense from the wings um, it is a very big uh, thing I feel right now for Memphis. Um, and his ability to space the floor, I, I think that he is a, a good tertiary playmaker as well, that he hasn't gotten the most chance to show. Um, and maybe maybe he's not quite... At that spot yet, but I think by the end of the year, uh, I would love to see a Morant, Brooks, Bain, Wiz, Winslow, and Jaron Jackson.
1: I'm fascinated. I, I think that's an interesting combination. Uh, my my Valentunas idea partially is with if we think Tillman is ready to be a contributor consistently. I, I need to see more from him before I, I buy into that. Uh, I, I know uh, Spencer Davies, who's a, a friend of mine in, in the blogging world, uh, he works for Basketball News now, wrote a great article about just how influential Bain and Tillman have been to Grizzlies winning. Hopefully uh, Coach Jenkins has been reading uh, Spencer's work. Um, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. I also don't think Jonas Valanciunas has longed for the Grizzlies. Maybe not this year because Jaron's been out and they have Gorgie Dang on the expiring. Uh, but I, I think Jonas makes a lot of sense of somebody that gets moved in the offseason, expiring contract going into next year. Uh, I think that they do like Tillman a lot. Obviously, they have Clark. You have to remember they have Jonte Porter, who they signed to a, a low-risk, high-reward, four-year contract. There's lots of outs for them. So if Porter can't get healthy, obviously they can get out of it. But they I, I, they don't sign somebody to a multi-year contract hoping that he's not going to work. They want him to work out. So uh, I do think that even Jonas, you know, Gorgie's definitely not in their long-term plans, and it's possible that Tillman has already supplanted Gorgie, uh, but I think Jonas isn't in their long-term plans either, at least not beyond next season. So uh, Tillman will definitely have a role moving forward. I just don't know when it's going to take off uh, long-term. It's possible it's sooner than, than anybody anticipates. He has looked good in recent games. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And again, if you could just one final time run down where folks can find you on Twitter, uh, can find your co-host Adam and the new podcast.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thanks again, uh, very much, Joe, for having a, having me on the show. And um, like you said, Adam and I, my co-host Adam Taylor NBA is the at, and myself at Brendan Nunez NBA are now hosting the the Bare Necessities podcast it's at the Grizzlies pod on Twitter and then uh we both cover the Celtics for Celtics blog as well the SB Nation there and I also cover the Kings for uh the Kings Pulse podcast part of Blue Wire and the Kings Herald that was previously Sacktown Royalty SB Nation um yeah having a very good time diving into this team and I will admit uh also, as, as a final little thing here, I, I'm a sucker for defense, so that's probably why I'm throwing Bane in here. And I was a little tempted to throw Melton in for Brooks as well, but thought that was a little too spicy for my first time out here. Um, <laughs> I really first appreciate you. First time, but having not
1: the last. On. First time, but not the last for sure. We'll definitely great. have you back on down the road. And hopefully, I get on the, uh, the bare necessities here soon. Looking forward to that. So, for, for Brendan, I'm Joe. Parker will be back next week. Hopefully you're subscribing to the GBB Podcast Network over uh, at Stitcher, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeart. However you get your podcasts, hopefully you're subscribing and listening to Core 4, 3 and D, Starting 5, and, of course, us here at GBB Live. GBB Live is seven years old this month. Uh, I started off with 20 people listening or something like that, and two of them being my parents when I lived in Memphis, and now we have four podcasts as part of a legitimate podcast network over at grizzlybearblues.com. It's something that I'm very proud of, very excited about, and I'm thankful that you are making us a part of your Grizzlies experience. So once again, for Brendan, I'm Joe Mullinax. Stick with GBB as we continue to grind through the season and grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.